Uncle Julio's at Icon Park voted Orlando's favorite iDrive restaurant by Orlando Magazine. Try our deliciously fresh margarita of the month, squeezed from ripe blood oranges. Then get fired up with Uncle Julio's mouth-watering filet mignon fajitas grilled over an open flame. And save room for dessert like our homemade chocolate piñata filled with house-made churros and fruit. Everything is freshly made, including our guac that is prepared tableside. Enjoy happy hour weekdays from 3 to 6. Visit Uncle Julio's today at Icon Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Nate Kilmer program. Glad you can join us here on the Braves Sports Network. We are live at the Davy L. Whitney Arena. We're on this floor last night. The Lady Braves got it done, and they're in eighth place. Got a couple more home games left. The schedule flips. Our three in a row on the road coming up. We have Bethune Cookman, FAMU. Then we go to Jackson. You know, we started out with three in a row at home to start the regular season. Everyone gets three in a row on the road. And at home are three on the road, in a row, on the road, coming up this week, over the next week and a half. Bethune, Cookman, FAMU, Jackson State. But the Lady Braves coming off a win last night. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about UAPB and all things Lady Braves basketball with Nate Kilbert. You can join the conversation, 601-877-6595. You can text a question on Twitter, and on Twitter, Tall Man Radio, you can text a question, 601 301 26 11. Nate Kilbert here at midcourt. Coach, how you doing, sir? Everything's good, y'all. It's always good as we sit here coming off a win. It's tough coming off a loss, any loss at any time, but you got a win last night, one and one during the week. Uh, just talk about your team, you know, Pine Bluff, Mississippi Valley, two good teams. You had one team trying to stay near the top of the standings, the UAPB, and then you had a team in Mississippi Valley. Hadn't had a lot of success, but as we saw last night here, Valley – can shoot. They're one of the top uh, field goal percentage shooting teams in the league. They gave us heck for a half or so, but we pulled away towards the end of the first half and then into the third quarter. So talk about this last week here of Lady Braves basketball. Well, if you look at if you look at both games, the UAPB game and the Mississippi Valley game, it was like night and day yeah. when it came to shooting for us. Uh, we didn't shoot the ball that that well against uh, UAPB, but shot the ball great against Valley because if we, ha- we hadn't shot the ball a lot better against Valley, that probably would have been a lot closer game because Valley kids uh, made a run at us in, in the first quarter where uh, they were on like an 8-0 run, I think, and we had them like 25-9, and they ended up going like eight straight on us. But the UAPB game uh, was totally different because we played different in that game. We tried to press them the whole game. And, I, and then once I looked back on it, I thought it kind of hurt us even though we did what we wanted to do. We got both of them. We didn't allow them to play both of their bigs together. Uh, they only played one because we were pressing them so much. And uh, I think we wore ourselves down in that game. And that's I think that hurt us when it came to shooting the basketball, too, because we just constantly just pressing. Uh, in the Valley game, we, we did a little different. We pressed, uh, we pressed off the free throw line. We pressed on dead balls. And uh, we, we trust our half-court defense a little bit more in the Valley game. And, uh, and you can see Valley – one thing about Valley, Valley can really get, put the ball in the basket. And, and no team has really stopped them from scoring. It's just they don't stop people. And uh, I think that's what causes them to lose games because they're not deep enough. You know, they only play about eight kids. And uh, they're just not deep enough to play against some of the real good uh, basketball teams in our conference. It was a good bounce back, you know, obviously coming off the road and then coming home after the Grambling win. You know, it was good to get home. And so we were looking forward to this last homestand. So let's start with UAPB. And Don Brown's ball club, uh, I can tell you that just watching her team for the first time, they've got some scores and some shooters. They have a hard time, at least the opponent, in this case our team, seemed to me had a hard time matching up because they're probably taller in the backcourt than I've seen. We knew about their inside game. We knew about their mid-range game. Um, Don Brown's team got a lot of depth that they can mix and match. Maybe one of the deeper teams that uh, that she's had. Well, I think I think they are the, the, from top to bottom. I think they're the most talented team in our conference. From top to bottom, I think they are. Uh, you know, they have some some areas where they can uh, really create problems for just about anybody in the conference if they if they are playing good basketball. You know, it's just a matter of a, a 
with with all the teams, I think it's all about shot making. You know, and there are times when, when like Don team shot the ball extremely well when they needed to against us. You know, then they went to Jackson didn't have such a great shooting night. But I think we had a lot to do with with with, with Pine Bluff not playing well at Jackson because we pressed them the whole game. We kind of wore them down the whole game, and then you know that kind of it takes a, it takes a toll on you. You know, but from top to bottom, I I, I truly feel that that, that UAPB has a has a, the most deeper team in our conference. Um, it's a matter of you, they're still missing some chemistry. Now, don't get me wrong, because they have so many good athletes, it's hard to get all of them to playing time. Kind of like our problem in the beginning, we were playing so many people trying to get them playing time. And uh, I think Dunn is having that problem with her group right now because a lot of kids on her team is, uh, is playing, but not getting the minutes they really truly deserve because they're talented enough to get those minutes, you know. So. That's a team that I don't think a lot of folks want to be facing, you know, especially during tournament time because they're so big and they're so athletic. You know, people feel that way about us too because we're not as big, but we're deep. We have we have 12, 12 kids that can really play. And Dunn has, in my mind, Dunn has 13, 14 that can really play. It's just hard to get minutes for those kids. And I think that's what makes them a good basketball team because they they have it in every position. They're okay. There's not one position on, on UAPB team that – they don't have two kids that can really play, you know. So and I think that's what makes them a good basketball team. So we were really we lost by 12, one bad quarter. We're minus 10 in the second quarter. And we've had that, Coach, all year. There's been games in which you take one bad quarter away, we might have, we might have more wins than what we have right now. So it was the second quarter, minus 10 in that, that second quarter. Got off to a good start, and then the second quarter. Where, where did it start in the second quarter in which things went sideways there? Well, I, I think it starts when we just don't score. You know, you, there are going to be times when a team may run on you and they're going to score. You have to score with them. And that's our problem. We're not scoring with teams when they make those runs on us because there are going to be some quarters. We're going to have some, a big scoring quarter, and th- those teams are staying close to us. We didn't stay close enough to UAPB to give us, give us a chance to win the game. Uh, just to keep us close, because games, shot making and all that different stuff is, is different when the game is close. You know, people have a tendency not to shoot the ball as well when it means a little bit more because the game is close. People, uh, uh, players shoot ball, shoot the ball better when the game is not as close. The shot is not as much pressure on that shot than if, it, if it's a three-point game and if it's a nine-point game. So uh, our problem in, in the second uh, quarter was we just didn't, we didn't keep up. We didn't keep up scoring-wise. They scored 23 points, which is a lot. So, you know, our defense kind of fell off a little bit in that quarter, too. But at the same time, you're going to have those quarters where teams are just making shots on you. You have to be able to keep up scoring-wise, and we were, we were not able to keep up with Pine Brook in the second quarter. It was 43-31 at the end of the second quarter. They won 73-61. to to Was it just one of those? Was it just a, a tough shooting night for us? They were just putting the ball in the basket, combination of both? I think it was a tough shooting night for us, and they made the shot, the big shot. The two biggest shots in the game, in my mind, was when, when uh, Beck made the two three-point shots because we had cut the lead down to seven. And we had opportunities to make shots, and to cut it down even further than that. We just missed them. And then we allowed them to run out when we was trying to press them. They're going over top of our head, and Beck got those two wide-open three-point shots. And I think that those two shots was the, was the dagger that they needed to, to put us away. So when you look at what, how we press and how we turn teams over, how do you adjust when teams throw it over the top? You just got to spread back on defense and settle in the half court. Well, I think that's the biggest thing is, uh, is just getting back on defense. And in some some games, you, you you can see when your kids are a little fresher, they're getting back a lot quicker. They, you know, in, in the Valley game, we just looked like a different team. Uh, uh, the way we was moving, it was like a totally different team. So you have to, as a coach, you have to be able to pick that up. And, uh, and be able to adjust to it. And we just didn't do a good job in my mind. We just didn't do a good job of adjusting to what was going on during that game and the fact that uh, we should have, I felt like we should have just got back a little bit more and played and trusted our head for defense. That's when we got it down to seven, okay? But, you know, the way that we got it down to seven because we was pressing, you know, so a lot of times you can get caught up in that, you know, but you got to be able to make adjustments and, and get back and, and trust your head for defense a little bit more than what we did, I think. You were saying after the game that, in terms of pressing, if you had to do it all over again in terms of when to press and how and all that. So as you look back on that, what what adjustments, if you had to have a do-over in 
in that in terms of your defense? What would you have done differently? I would do it more like we did against Valor. We did it on we did it on a dead ball situation. We did it on the free throw situation. That, those be the most of the times that we were running. We we do it on dead ball and free throws. You know, after that, we just go back and play our regular defense. And we can still do our half court stuff. You know, uh, we don't have to be on free throws. We don't have to be on dead ball. We can still run our half court traps. So we got a lot of stuff we do out of half court that can take people out of their offense. And that's a perfect precedence to take people out of their offense. And you ain't gonna get them to turn it over every time. But you just want to make them shoot fast. You know, and just play a little faster than what they might want to play. You hear the phrase, speed teams up when you're trying to defend. So were you trying to do that, or were you trying to slow Pondworth down considering the different matchup issues? Well, we were trying to get them to change what they like to do, and that's playing both their bigs. That's what we were just trying to make them change their personnel. That's what we were trying to get out of it. And it worked. We got that from them. But, you know, a lot of times I feel like some teams are better when they're smaller. Especially when they're playing against, you know, what, if you can match up with us, like A&M, A&M can match up with us. They are, they are tough for us. You know, Pine Bluff, when people try to play bigs against us, we're better because we're going to get the ball in our spots. We're going to get it at the elbow like we want to. We're going to back those stuff. But Pine Bluff's not going to play you man-to-man. That's, that's what helps them. They're they going to play a zone with them bigs. So we got to get them big because we don't want to play against those zone the whole game. We hadn't been shooting the ball well enough, uh, except for the Valley game. We haven't been shooting the ball well enough to have to play this zone all the time. But that means we have to play her had to be on her game. Uh, uh, White had to be on her game like she was against Valley. If we're going to play this zone, and that's what we were trying to get away from, playing against the zone all the time. And I actually, I thought that's what Valley was going to play us the most of the game. They surprised me. They shocked me. They played us man to man. Wow, man, that's that's perfect, you know. <laughs> but uh, Pine, Bluff, Pine Bluff is bigger. They're taller, so their zone looks different from Valley's zone. Their zone looks different from our zone. That's why we don't play zone a lot. We're too small to play zone. You know what yeah. I mean? We're just going to throw it over our head, you know? we just in it. You know what I mean? We can slow people down from getting it inside, but not from getting it inside. They can get it inside. We can make them do other things out of it because, you know, we can bag back and sag in on it. But we can't stop them getting the ball with it. We're just, too, we're, just not, we're just not tall enough. This team, when we fight uphill, we fight. But it's just – you talk about come from behind wins. We dig too deep of a hole. It's just so hard, and you expend so much energy, especially turning teams over, which is a positive if you can do that. But then when you're in a hole and you're trying to expand the energy, trying to make teams use energy, that's tough for, for us to really make things happen when we're, when we're in a big hole. Yeah, that, that's tough for anybody. That's tough for anybody when you're trying to you, you build a big hole for yourself. Now you're trying to battle your way up that hill, and then when you get to the top of that hill, you can't, you can't maintain it. You know what I mean? And uh, we have we have had some games where we battled back, got back in the game, and won them. And we had some games where we battled back, and that energy just what we didn't have enough energy to finish it. You know what I mean? So the, the thing you have to do is you have to, I think you have to stay close. You know, you don't don't get to the point where you 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 where the hill is too steep for you to, to go up it. You know what I mean? And I just think we have to do a better job of just either hanging around teams, keeping the game close enough so you have a chance to win it. And when I say close, y'all, I'm talking about keeping the game within six, seven points. You know what I mean? You know, if you keep games between six, seven points, whether you're up or down, you know, you always got a chance to win those games. You know, when you start letting teams get in double figure on, figures on you, then that means you're going to have to do something extraordinary to catch up. Well, the Lady Braves were led Destiny Brown 14 and 8, Tajane Wright 13 points. Tajanae Wright, it seems like the basket's like an ocean right now. I mean, she got to a hot start last night, kind of went away from her a little bit. I mean, I don't know if you do heat checks. When you're hot, you just stick with it. We'll talk about that as we get into the Valley uh, the valley game. But Tajanae Wright has really been shooting the ball well, with a lot of confidence, a lot of bounce in her step. What's What's been the difference here lately? Well, I just think it's all about confidence with her. You know, she always, have, she always had the green light, you know, so – it's a matter of when she want to take shots. Anything we do through her, and we run a lot of our offense through her, she knows she, you know, if the back door's not open, she's trying to face up. If you open, shoot it. She knows that, you know, but I think she's tried, a lot of times she's just tried to get everybody involved, which we want her to do that too. And, you know, she's up class, and she knows when she's open and when she's feeling it, you know. And sometimes she come to the sideline and say something to me like, oh, Coach, if I, if I catch it on open, I, I, I feel it, can I shoot it? I mean, you asking me that? <laughs> you know, that goes without saying. Yeah, that goes without saying. You know, you got the green light. You know, because I, I kid with her a lot. You know, before games, I be you know, green light, green light, and she knows what she knows what that means. Because I do tr- feel like that she's a great shooter. I really feel that way. You know, when she get on a roll, and you can see why we don't have to do a lot of stuff for her because it's already we run stuff through her so much. 
you know, but sometimes I have to start running, actually running the play for her. You know, we got a play we call we call New York Four. That play is for, for her to run off a double screen and come out, go to the left or right side of the floor, get a jump shot. She don't have to shoot that. She still can kick it inside, but that play is for her to shoot, you know what I mean? And then that time, sometimes she'll shoot it, and sometimes she'll get destiny going. She'll kick it inside to her. But when we start running that stuff, that means that you know, she's kind of on fire now. We're trying to get the ball in her hand. You know what's surprising to me is how she is always, well, not always, most of the time, so wide open. I mean, is, is that just by design? I mean, she got to step back. I mean, they play off of her, they leave her alone, and then she drains it, and then they make adjustments. But with every time Tajanae Wright touches the ball, most of the time, she's wide open. Well, you think about this. Most of the time... UFIT Gyms is delivering the wins in 2023 with an unbeatable giveaway. UFIT will fly one lucky winner and a guest out to the can't-miss 2023 iHeartRadio Music Awards on March 27th. You'll have your airfare, transportation, accommodations, and tickets covered, along with a lifetime membership to UFIT. Get a free three-day pass to UFIT Gyms just for entering the contest. Enter at UFITUWIN.com. UFIT Gyms, bring the fun back to fitness. Tangent is playing against a four. You know what I mean? Four players don't like to come outside. They like to play right around. Most most of the conference fours are like to play inside. That's why I talk about A&M. A&M four is just like Tangent. She wants to play outside. They are, they often get wide open shots because they're in trail motion a lot of times out of the fast break, and they're going to get it at the top. But most of the fours they play against are back to the basket kids, big kids that want to play close to the basket. But now you watch the good, the real good teams that really scouted us. They know we would like to run stuff through them. They're they going to keep up from getting the ball at the high post and all that different stuff. And that's, the, that's when the things start to get tough on us. That's why we start making new ways to get our back door up from other people. But, uh, yeah, I think that plays to her advantage. You know, Tension A really is a three. I mean, that's a that's really a spot. If she didn't play in a, a bigger school, a power five school, something like that, they'll have it at the three. You know, we put it at the four because we think we can maximize her speed a little bit better because she's really too slow to play out at the three. In this conference, because all the ones and twos and threes can swag fast, you know what I mean. But she can get away with being with the speed that she has, because she's playing with a bigger person yeah. at the four. And a lot of times, that's why she gets so wide open a lot because she's playing the four position. Well, you got your three scores most nights: Destiny Brown, Tasha A. Wright, and Zania White, who had who had an outstanding game last night. We'll talk about that. So now you you got the scoring. So now you look at your complementary pieces coming off the bench. You got Henderson, who had been out, coming off the bench. So what are you looking for now? I mean, you've got three scores that are pretty solid. So now Caleb Billows, a good distributor, one of the top players in assists. So the, from the scoring perspective from her, more so distribution from Kayla, or are you looking for some scoring or a little bit of both? I think it's – I think it's a, and, and Caleb being the point guard, you have to see what's going on. There's several point guards do. They read the game. They read the night. You know, some nights it might, we might need her to score. Some nights we might need her to just uh, – be an assist person, get everybody involved, you know, and I think uh, the Valley game it was a prime example of that. We didn't need her to score. Uh, uh, White got it going on. You know, Tangenay is hot as a firecracker. You know, Brown scoring decently for us. But she had to pick and choose her nights and her, and her time when she needs to score. And, and that ain't something a coach can do for you. You have to feel that as a point guard. And I thought, actually, I thought uh, Neil probably played one of the best games I've seen a point guard play against Valley because she wasn't trying to – score. She was realizing that everybody else was scoring. I just need to get us in our sets, run the stuff. And she did a good job with it. Kayla did a good job, too. Uh, but Neil did an extremely good job coming in, and, and it's just keeping us going. She didn't try to take over the game from the point position, because I think it's very important. Because, child, we have other kids like Cheetah, Cheetah could get you 12 games if she wanted to. But she just plays her role. You know, she whatever the team needs her to do, if it's just rebounding, she'll do that. If it's just defending, she'll do that. Whatever you need her to do, she's capable. And people don't think she can shoot the three-point shot. She can shoot the three. I mean, she can really shoot that shot. She just doesn't take it a lot. If she start taking it more, you'll see her start making it. Now, Henderson is not a person that, that you look to run stuff through. But Henderson is going to do all that Goddard stuff, all that intent, all those intangible things that makes you a good team. She's going to do all those things. And, we, you know, Claydor is a person that when she's in the game, if she's not scoring, we'd be like, why are you out there? That's, what, that's your purpose to score when you're out there. And take shots. And, and good scores take bad shots. No, so we have a lot of people that's capable of, 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 of when Destiny's having a bad game or Nene is not playing well uh, or White is not scoring like we need them to. Those are our top scores for us. But we have other kids that can really put the ball in the basket and have a big game for you. 
one one player I was talking um, last night. I was talking to Zania White about it, and uh, Tanae Griffin. We know what she did last year. I mean, she could she could shoot the ball at times. It's been kind of tough for her scoring, and I know you're giving her opportunities. And but you know, you gave her the pep talk. You said you had to talk with her. That hey, we haven't given up on you. you know, we're still we're still behind you. What's going to take to to get her going? Well, I just think it's it, time. I mean, she just need she need time. She need to have a good game. You know what I mean? She need to have a good game, and that's going to help her confidence. And uh, you know, especially when you did it with, with young kids, especially somebody like Tanae. Tanae is not the average age for what she is as being a sophomore. She's not the average sophomore when it comes to age. She's still real young. You know, her confidence can easily fade. You know, and, um, I, you know, like I said, I tried to give her that pep, give her that pep topic, just to encourage. You know, I'm basically trying to encourage her a little bit more because you know she's doing some things. Uh, she's just, you can see she's struggling right now, but. I think eventually she's going to come out of it. She's starting to starting to put the ball on the floor a little bit better. You know, she needs to see something go through the basket. You know, that's going to help her. And I think when you can get to the line and, and make a couple free throws and get an easy one, and, and then she'll start making that, that jump shot a little bit more. What was the speech uh, to your team after that tough loss coming off the, uh, the grambling win coming home? Uh, kind of an anticipated matchup there. High-scoring game, I kind of expected that. Uh, I thought if we slowed them down a little bit in the 60s, I thought we would win the game, but they got 73. What was the speech to your team after that one? Well, you know, I, I, I talked to them about uh, uh, getting past this, you know, getting past the game. You know, we talked about some of the things we could have done better in the game. You know, we could have shot the ball better. Uh, I, but I really put the game on, on, on me. I really felt like uh, that if we had not pressed them, tried to press them the entire game, that it would have been a different ball game. You know? So I, I pointed the finger directly at myself because I wanted them to understand that uh, I thought you guys played hard, you know, you, you know, when you play hard like we played. But we really wasn't turning them over. We was making them play fast. We were making them play with dot to two bigs, but we weren't making them turn the ball over. And I think that because we was pressed so much, caused us to not shoot the ball better, you know, because we were exhausted, you know, especially Nene. When you're dealing with Tangine, you have to think about that with her. She's not a person that's going to be throwing a whole lot of pressing. You expect for her to score. She's not that type of person. And so we have to be careful when we're doing certain things with her in the game and we're wearing her out and she's a person that we look to shoot the three for us. And you need to have that energy and you need to be fresh to shoot that shot like she's shooting. And you, and you can see in the Valley game when we didn't press a lot, how she just looked like a totally different person. Even the white guy and all of them look like a totally different person. Valley, like we had a lot more energy. But I just, I just, I really feel like that, that, uh, that the strategy, my strategy was wrong, you know, the way we played them, I think we, we could have got away with a but plan them in half for a little bit more. Well, the good thing is we'll see them again. The last road trip of the year, we go to Pine Bluff first and then Valley to end the regular season, so we'll get another crack at it. We'll take a break here. We'll look ahead to Mississippi Valley, a team that's one of the top field goal percentage teams in the conference, team with uh, some tough losses. Play Jackson tough for a half, and we'll look at that game, and then we'll preview Bethune-Cookman, Florida A&M. We'll look at the standings. As well, as we sit here right now, the Lady Braves will be in the tournament. Tournament started today. They're in the eighth seed as Grambling lost last night. The Lady Braves are in eighth, have the tiebreaker on Grambling, and have an opportunity to move up here. We'll talk all about that after this timeout here on the Nate Kilbert Program. We'll be back in 60 seconds. You're struggling with your mortgage. You think about it all the time. What are we going to do if we lose the house? It's time to stop thinking and start dialing. Call 1-888-995-HOPE for a free government program that offers expert one-on-one advice about your mortgage options. We've helped over a million homeowners, and we want to help you. Call 1-888-995-HOPE or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. And WPRL 91.7 FM. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Mississippi Army National Guard. Aired by the Mississippi Association of Broadcasters and this station. And welcome back to the Davey Whitney Arena, home of the Nate Kilbert and the Landon Bussey programs right here on 91.7 WPRL and WPRL.org. We're on Facebook Live. Glad you could join us. Tell you what, Coach, uh, we've had some really good crowds here the 
band over here up above us making a lot of noise and getting folks fired up. We've, you know, there was talk before conference play starts, and this has been a 50-year-old conversation. What kind of attendance we're going to see in the conference because people are preoccupied with other things, all kinds of reasons. We've kind of hashed this out on social media and other uh, podcasts for a long time. And I was hopeful we'd have better crowds throughout the league, I think. And uh, I think we'll have good crowds at Bethune and FAMU with a lot at stake. But here, the crowds have been really, really good uh, throughout the course of the home season. I think they've been great. You know, our fans are really coming out supporting these young, young men and women. And I think it's just, you know, people don't realize how important it is to, to these uh, kids when they're playing basketball or playing sports. And uh, just coming out and getting that support. And they see you in the stand. It adds something to it. It gives them more energy, you know. And, of course, Buster talks about it all the time. He just, he just feel like, and I do too, he feel like we, 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 the more people that are in the, in, in the gym watching us play, the better we're going to play. Uh, we're going to at least play harder, you know, because they, they, when people are watching you, you, you feel like you, you're up under a microscope. You have a tendency to, to put a little bit more into it, you know, and, and we want our fans to keep coming out, keep supporting like they're doing because the, the, the atmosphere in here the other night in this valley was great, man. In Pine Bluff, too, it was, great, it was a great atmosphere. And I just, I like to coach in front of that. And I like to play in front of that, you know. So I just hope it keep going, keep going, especially when we come back and play Prairie View and Texas Southern. I hope we have a packed house. And uh, just watch these kids get at it, man, because we're right in the thick of things. Our boys is at the top, you know. So uh, all we need now is our fans to come out and support us. At every game, if you look at the standings, and we'll get into it, but every game there's some positioning somewhere, whether it's you're trying to stay at the top. And, look, Jackson State's been dominant. But there are teams right there on their heels. Alabama a and right on their heels at the top. you got some teams in the middle. Now, it's different because all the games are in Birmingham as compared to what we used to have. Remember, the top four seeds played a home game. That made it really, really intriguing. But you got all the games in Birmingham. But there's nothing definitive. There's nothing definitive at the top. There's nothing definitive at the bottom. We're fighting to make the top eight. So every game, and as tight as the standings are, and we'll look at them, there's going to be some jockeying up positions. Yeah, I, matter of fact, I was talking to Alabama uh, um, A&M, their assistant coach, you know, me and him real close, and he was just talking about, he said, maybe we could easily, we had, we're number two now, in the next two or three games, we could easily be number eight and not make the tournament. And they, they're number two. And he's talking about, he said, I feel feel like we got to win three or four more games to make the tournament. Yeah. I ain't talking about just positioning ourselves. I'm talking to make it. That's how close it is, you know. So, and I thought about what he said, you know, because he's right. You know what I mean? We win, we win a few more games. We could jump from from eight to fifth or six. You know what I mean? So it's just a it's just a great race, man. A great race. I, I would like for us to be way up there. We'll be worried about <laughs> that, but you know we're in a position where we got a, we got a chance, and that's all you can ask for. Well, as I've heard coaches say it's not how you start. You just be slow and steady. Well, not slow, but steady, and play your best basketball. Come into February, into March. I've heard many a coach say that. Do you believe the same? I, I do. I do. That's when you start talking about winning tournaments. If I think hot teams win tournaments, you know, I think the team that's playing the best going into the tournament has a better chance to win because uh, I never really wanted to. You know, you want to win your early games and stuff, but I didn't want to be at my best. Some teams start off being their best, and the only way they could go is down. You know, we still got a lot of, lot of things we can be better at. You know what I mean? We're starting to play some good basketball. We've been playing some good basketball, but we ain't been finishing games. So we get to the point now where we got to learn how to finish games and uh, we get that. Our chemistry is getting better. Well, we start really showing our rotation a little bit, and that doesn't mean some of the kids we're not playing are not good enough to play. We just our chemistry is a little bit better now because we're not trying to play as many people. Well, let's look at uh, last night's game, Coach. Monday night, Mississippi Valley coming to town. You look at their record. You look at what has happened. You look at what hasn't happened for them. What What is the deceiving aspect? I mean, you look at a team's record, they're over. But then there's got to be something that worries you as a coach when you see that. They can't be as bad as, it, as you heard a coach say, you are what your record says you are. But you look at Mississippi Valley, they're one of the top field goal percentage teams in makes. So they're shooting the cover off of it. They're, they're shooting at a high level. But there are other aspects as to why they are not successful. So what concerns you about this Valley team? Probably as thin as we've seen. Normally, they, they usually have a pretty deep roster, but they only played nine uh, last night, eight to nine, and that's all they had. So what, what concerns you about that team? Well, the, my biggest concern was going into the game was our kids looking at their record. 
and thinking that they were getting that record, and they realized they was getting this in Valley. And, and Valley is a, is a much better team than what their record indicates. And you watch the way they play. You watch some of the – even the Jackson State game, Ed Jackson. Valley played, played the devil out of Jackson in the first half. You know what I mean? They were right there in that game. Their biggest thing is when you, you, you can't lose a kid like Mahoney, which was, which was in my mind was their best player, and, and Antian and whatever the name of the guard. You lose those two kids. And Moms are amazing at tracking down hard-to-find items. Library books, socks, you name it. But sometimes help is welcomed. Care.com makes it easy to find babysitters near you. Sitters with the experience and skills your family needs, like after-school pickup and homework help. You just post a job for qualified sitters to apply. And since all Care.com caregivers are background checked, you can feel confident about interviewing and hiring. To get the child care help you need, sign up now at Care.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. These young kids, they got playing for them right now. They're, they're just not ready. They're good basketball players. They're just not ready to to play at the level that they need to play it for them to have a chance to, to beat some of the teams in our conference now because the, the conference is so good now. I mean, I, you can take a bottom team and they can whoop a top, a top team if, if that top team don't come in focus and do the things that they're supposed to do because they're quite capable of doing that bottom team, the Texas Southern, the, the FAMU, you know, those teams right there are dangerous. That's a and m and m went out there to Florida and both of them beat them, you know, and they was number two. So that's what, that's what makes teams like Valley, uh, uh, FAMU uh, and, and Texas Southern make those teams dangerous because they're capable. They all three of those teams can score. You look at you look at Texas Southern. You know they can score. They got to score. They got to score a machine on their team. You look at Valley. Valley been scoring sixty some points just by every game they play. So that's what makes them so scary and make them so tough because uh, they can score the basket. They just have other areas. That they don't have the depth that they need. They don't have the, the inside present when it comes to scoring that they need. But they got other phases of their game that they, they, they know how to put the ball in the basket. That, so that makes them dangerous because they can score. You mess around and have a bad scoring night, now you're in a ball game. With well, it was a ball game through the first quarter. We led by 15 and Valley cut it to eight. And then a 20 to seven second quarter, I think we were like on a 20 to nothing run in that second quarter to lead 45-24. What, what, what did Valley do in that first quarter when they were down 15 all of a sudden you know, it was a four-point game. They got as close as four in that first quarter. It's kind of what the stats said they would do, knock down shots. And once they got going from beyond the arc, they started knocking down shots. What what, what was the concern there in that first quarter? Well, I think I think the biggest concern was our substitution. We, we had too many kids out there and none of our stars with them. We had we, we should have we kept some of our stars out with some of those kids that was coming off the bench so they could play with some of the stars and we'd just be a whole new group out there. And I think that's when Valor really uh, went on a run on us when we had our, our bench out there, which are good players, but yeah, you can't have them all out there at one time and expect, you know, expect to be able to, to maintain your lead or pull away. So I thought uh, we should have did a better job of, of, of keeping uh, uh, at least two of the starters out there. Continuity? Yeah. You know, if we could keep a better continuity, we got a better chance of putting that lead out, stretching that lead out a little further. Uh, I'm not allowing Valor to do that. Now, Valor could have did that against our starters. Don't get me wrong. Valor's quite capable of doing the same thing against our starters. But I feel like the way that game was going, it wouldn't have happened. Well, you know, early in non-conference, you were using five in midway through the first quarter. You were doing that as Elvis Robinson, assistant coach, says, the, the hockey substitution, five in, five out. And then you kind of got away from it. Then you used it off and on throughout uh, conference, more so off than on. So was that kind of the strategy? Do would you get back to that? That five in group B, group C is, is that kind of what you're looking at? Or are you you going back to maybe one or two subs here? You take Zaniah White out, Destiny Brown out, just one at a time. You know, where are you on your substitution pattern? Because in non-conference, you were going wholesale. Yeah, we're trying to put people in a position where they can be successful. In, in the non-conference, we were trying to find out who could help us. We just watched the individuals. Then we weren't necessarily watching out who you was out there with. What are you doing while you're out there? And uh, now we're trying to build chemistry more. So, we, okay, let's let her play with, with Destiny a little bit more. Let this two-guard play with her a little bit more. Let's let this post play with Destiny. They hadn't played together a lot. 
Now we're starting to build a little bit of chemistry. Our chemistry is a lot better now because we ain't just putting, you know, when you start putting a whole new group in, it's hard for that group to build that chemistry and get going now. But when you got two or three of them out there already got it going a little bit, you know, so you can get, you can make it work. Well, we just see it. For those who are watching, there's a back door to Cheatham. Um, you, you know, that's a, I, I just like that back door look because. But, Charles, that was a new set. You notice who made that pass. Uh, White made that pass to yeah. her. She never made that pass before. And I was shocked. After doing the time, I was like, man, that was a great pass. She, <laughs> she was shaking her head like, Coach, I, you didn't know I could do that? You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a set play. We had talked about it in practice, but we never ran it before. Yeah. You know, Coach. They're so used to us running that back door a certain way, and we could we could start finding ways now. Okay, let's mix it up. Let's try this on it. You know, and she made a great pass, and she made a great cut, and it just looked good, man. Well, we led 45-24 at the break, and and we kind of pulled away there, winning 74 to a 51. So it was a good bounce back. You got a lot of players involved. So just overall, you know, your your thoughts. We led by as many as 28 in the fourth quarter. You got everybody involved. We'll talk about that. Um, it was just a so good bounce back. We looked fresh. We looked like there was no hangover from the UAPB game. So, I mean, I was so proud of how we were able to respond because there have been times in which we've come out sluggish and come out with a thud and then wake up. But we came out from, as they say, from the door, with the exception of maybe a six- or seven-minute period in the first that Valley had a good run. But then once we got going and really going, uh, we, we kind of really pulled away there. Yeah, you know, especially after the Pressing the way we pressed against uh, UAPB and then coming out and, and playing against a team who like to score a lot of points like Valley. You know, it always helped when you're making shots. You know, I think that was the biggest thing. We started out making shots, and that made the game a little easier for us. And then you can see people's confidence start to get a little higher and higher. And start, when they make that first one, then they make that second one, all of a sudden now the confidence level is there. And then your teammates start making some. You start feeling good about yourself. And But, you know, our flow was totally different on Monday night than it was. That didn't have been in a long time. We just looked fresher. I don't know what they did, but they, evidently they went home and took care of their bodies. You know, that's what we talked to those kids about. After big games like that on Sunday, let's try to get some ice bath, whatever you can to get your refresh your body. And I thought whatever they did, they did a good job of it. They weren't just running down the highway trying to do something and all that different stuff. That I think they took care of their bodies and they showed it other thing, too, you've talked about it, how you don't harp too much on losses. You don't let, you know, you don't let it linger or carry over. And the mere fact that you don't do that, a lot of that weight is not on their shoulders going into Sunday and into Monday. You get it a little bit, talk about it, but then you have to move on. And, and you've talked about that throughout the fact that the team has been able to bounce back in a lot of cases, but because of the fact also that you don't put a lot on from what happened the previous game or the previous night just move forward. Starting uh, with this last homestand, uh, teams will be looking at them on second go-around. We're done with the teams that we faced once, the Bramlings, the Southerns, the Bama States, the A&Ms. Every team that we're looking at now, we will face for the second go-around beginning this week with the Bayou. Go back and look at the games that we won. Southerns, the Bramlings, the Bama States, the A&Ms. Kind of look at that, knowing you're going to see them once. You might see them again in the tournament. Might not, but you still go back and look at those games against those teams that you only saw once. I do. I watch every I watch every game uh, that we play probably two or three times. You know, because I'm trying to I'm trying to see things that we're not doing well offensively, things that we're not doing well defensively. But I don't. Our team don't. We don't show we don't show our team the the, the game uh, if we don't play them but once. Now we get ready to play them in the tournament. We'll, we'll watch that game before we play them in the tournament, but. We talk about some of the things that we did in that game, but we don't really actually watch the game with the kids after 
I think we're going to lose. We, we move on to the next uh, team that we're going to play, and then we'll watch that film a little bit and see some of the things that they like to do, and then we'll talk about what we want to do against it. But teams that we play twice, we're going to watch that game before we uh, uh, actually go play them the second time. So going forward, we've got Bethune, FAMU, last two home games here, Texas Southern, Craveview, and then we go to Pine Bluff and Valley, so teams that we've already seen. So you will, we'll get a, a, a good look. Coach, 74-51, and you got some players involved in, in the storyline, obviously, with Nia McAlpheus. Let's talk about that a little bit um, as we look at some more highlights for those watching. Um, Nia McAlphia, we, we talked about her situation. We thought she might be done for the year. You, you said she looked pretty good to play. She did see some action, but apparently that's her last action. Yeah, she, matter of fact, Charles, I was in, I was in Jackson today, and uh, I was calling her mom and dad because I knew she was having surgery. I just didn't know where, and uh, I, I wasn't able to get them. But on my way back, I ended up talking to her dad. And her dad said, Coach, they're they, they done. She's on her way. She's on her way back, you know, just like that. She had the surgery. It was successful. And he said, well, you call her mom. My mom was with her, and I called her mom, talked to her mom, said she was, the surgery went great. And uh, she was just a little, you know, sleepy, you know, after the surgery and all that different stuff. But it, it had, she had a great surgery. So, it, as a matter of fact, I think she's got to go back on Friday and actually go through some therapy. So, things are going good. Was there a chance at all? I mean, we knew she was going to have surgery. Was there a chance that she could have bypassed that and just tried to play through this? Or was this something that medically she had to have? Well, I, I think – she could have played the whole year. I think she could have done it and and missed part of next year, maybe non-conference, because she's getting it, getting it done so early. Now she could be prepared for next year and you know, get, be, be able to play in some of those games that she might have probably would have missed if she tried. Oh, she would have definitely missed those games, those early games if she had to try to play to the end of the season. You know what I mean? So she wanted to just get a couple games in, coach, get a, you know, get a couple games in and, and play well, man. I mean, play extremely well. And, uh, but I think she did the best thing if she's going to try to play next year. You, know, you never know with them ACLs and stuff like that, how you're going to feel once the surgery is over or you're going to be able to – people's bodies are different. You know, some people can, can handle that surgery and be right back and ready to go, and some people just don't deal with it well. So, but the, the sooner you have the surgery, the better chance that you have to be able to come back and, and, and start when the team starts and now come to play. Does she have another year, another opportunity if, you know, once, once she does recover? Well, you know, this is this is Neil. Uh, this is Neil. A uh, COVID year coming up. Okay. So this is a COVID year right here. So she would have to. Uh, you know, we could do a waiver if she wanted to take the whole year. You might could get that waiver, red shirt waiver. But you know, you start dealing with those waivers, you just never know. Nothing's guaranteed. And she waiver. got one. Uh, to, yeah. to start. Yeah. Yeah. Sure did. Yeah. We didn't think she was going to get that one. And she got to it. To start so the season because yeah. there was speculation that she wouldn't play until the beginning of conference play, but she got the waiver approved, and she was able to start the season. So she'd have to apply for another. Yeah, she would have to apply for another. This will be an injury-related waiver, and she will have a chance to get it, but hopefully she'll be uh, strong enough to be able to start for next year. But just the mere fact that she's out there, I mean, you could tell. I could see the smile. I could just see her bouncing around a little bit. She she wanted to make an, an impact in this game Monday night. Yeah, and, she, and I'm gonna be honest with you. She surprised me. She played extremely well. She, I mean, she was, she didn't, she. I think the injury caused her to slow down, though. You know, Neil used to be like 100 miles an hour, but she slowed down and she's more under control now. And she got our team into our set, and she just looked real good. Well, speaking of looking really, really good, Tajane Wright with 16 got red hot at the start. That's the other thing we talked about her. She got hot. And then we kind of went away from her a little bit. You know, do you believe in the heat checks? Like, if you're hot, just keep feeding it until until you're not. And, you know, she was hot early. Was it designed just to kind of go away from her and get some other options there? No, it's never designed to go away from her because we run everything through her. And so, now, now the defense realized she got hot too. <laughs> you know, they stopped letting her just catch the ball anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that would be the biggest thing with, with, with Tangina is that the, that the defense is uh, – Scheme changes because okay, this girl can shoot, you know. But let's get up on her a little bit more. Let's stop letting her catch the ball like that a little bit more, you know. But uh, we, then we have to start running stuff for her. But it's still difficult to get the ball to her when, when people realize that she can shoot the ball. And she's shooting the ball the way she's shooting it because all of our offense really goes through her. We find ways to find her. And but one thing about her, she's gonna get the ball up to the next open person. Yeah, you know, and she could be she could be in the process of that heat check and still do it. You know? <laughs> and we'd be looking at her cross eyed when she do it. You know, like why you shoot that? But uh, 
that's just the type of person she is. She gonna if she feel like someone has a better shot, she's gonna pass it to the next person. Definitely no uh, hesitation. Zania White got going twenty one points, and so you say Tanja Day Wright's got the green light. Uh, what about Zania White? Is, is she in that same category? <laughs> White, brown, and right. They all, all have the green they light. All got the green, green okay. light. Okay. You know. And Zania White got it going. I mean, she's really good at the elbow. I mean, when we say the elbow is we're on this court, it's to the right or left of the free throw line. We call that the elbow. You, you, when you watch games on TV, you hear someone say, well, they're at the, at the elbow. That's right or left of the free throw line. Zania White is a really good elbow shooter. Yeah, but, you know, Josh, she's really good. She's really good anywhere around the 10-, 12-foot range. I don't care where it is. It could be in the corner, anywhere. You watch her in the fast break sometimes. She'll use that little pull-up. Her in-between game is just off the chain. I mean, she and she even got to the point now, if you let her set on that three, she can knock that three down consistently, you know. So, But her in-between game is a shot because she gets up so high on a jump shot, it's hard to contest it. You, you need to be a real tall, big to really contest a shot. God, a little small guard's not going to contest. She's going to shoot over there. And then that's her game right there. Is around that elbow area, you know, anywhere around in those areas right there, she can make that consistently. And uh, when she's making that, we're, we're, we're a tough team to beat. We won big despite Destiny Brown, nine points and 11 rebounds, and that's still solid in 23 minutes last night. Yeah, solid. We would like to see her get that double-double and, uh, you know, in points, but, you know, that, that's, that's a pretty solid uh, game for us. You know, anytime you get pulled out level boards in 23 minutes, that's pretty good. Um, you look at Caleb Watkins. Talk about players that I, I know they've had their moments in scoring. Um, Kalen Watkins, there have been times in which it's been a struggle to score. What are you looking for from Kalen Watkins, slashing in the bucket, knocking down shots? Uh, what are you looking for there? Well, I think Kalen's biggest thing with her is she got to get her confidence back in her jump shot. Uh, we was on her earlier about driving more. And now she's starting to drive all the time. You know, people just bagging off of her now. she got to get to the point where she's not going to jump it down a little bit more. And now people got to start being a little bit more honest with her and coming up on her. And then she is going to open her drive up. And that's all. It's just about confidence. She needs to see a few shots fall, whether they're layups or free throws or whatever. She just needs to see a few shots go in the bucket. And you'll see her confidence getting a little bit better. Um, late in the game, you got a couple of players in. Janae Anderson. My first look at Janae Anderson. It's been a while since she's hit the floor down the stretch, and you had a set piece for her, and she knocked it down, <laughs> uh, and the bench just went crazy. So, you know, talk about Janae Anderson just waiting her time. She got, you know, got time. Janae Anderson with almost five minutes of game time Monday night. You know, when I called Janae's name, you see how the bench just exploded. <laughs> so they was really waiting on that. They was excited for her. You know, we've been we always try like to find a time where we can get get the kids in and who don't get a chance to play a lot. And yeah. Janae is a kid who walked on the team, and she's not a bad basketball player. You can see that she got some skills. You know, she's just playing behind so many kids that that's in front of her knows the system better and everything. But I mean, that first jump looked real good. You know, and she had some other opportunities out there. I thought she looked real good passing the ball, and she did a lot of good things out there. Uh, but uh, those kids just love it. They wanted to see her actually score, and she did just what they wanted her to do. So it was, it, was, it was a good ball game for her, a real good ball game. And she was flying around out there. I mean, <laughs> she, she was. was, she was, she was defend- and, and, that's, and that's what it's all about, too. I mean, because you're at a time of the year in which most coaches, you hear them say, we're seven or eight deep. If, if, if you give, give me a good eight, then we're, then we're good. But you, a game like that, you're able to play everyone, including Janae Anderson. And Acacia Stewart got three minutes and 45 seconds. You've talked about Stewart, especially in non-conference. What's the expectation there? Well, you know, actually, uh, I kind of I had forgot about Stewart. I would have put her out there sooner. You know, I had just look over. I had just had to look down the bench, and Stewart was sitting off the bench, way like this. You know, <laughs> so she was trying to let me know, Coach. You know, don't forget about me. And I, and I really had, you know, because it's been so long since she played and been on. Well, she's been missing a lot of practice and all that stuff because of the classes and stuff, but. You know, she just need more playing time. She just haven't been able to get the playing time that she needs to be able to show people what she really can do. She hasn't been the same since she got since she caught COVID and was having those uh, respiratory uh, issues. But she's she's slowly coming along. She's slowly coming along. Hopefully, she'll be able to get a little bit more playing time as time go along. You know, we'll be able to get out there in some spot, maybe some spot play for, and she get an opportunity to show what she can do. Well, the Lady Braves got it done, seventy-four to fifty-one. It was been between eighth place and ninth place. We were in eighth, and we were in ninth, and now we're back in eighth. Uh, we're the eight seed. We're actually tied with Grambling for the eight seed. We can pull up the standings quickly. Uh, we got a text coming in, Coach. We'll, we'll get to that. If we look at the standings, jockeying between eight and nine, we're we're actually tied with Grambling for eighth place. 
But we have a tiebreaker over Grambling because we beat them. Only one time we're going to see Grambling. So you see the standings right there for those watching. Uh, there's a tie between Alcorn and Grambling for eighth place. If you seeded the teams, the Lady Braves would be in eighth and Grambling would miss the tournament. Uh, FAMU a couple of games back. So we talked about the teams at the top trying to fight to stay there. But teams at the bottom that are kind of desperate to make the top eight. For example, FAMU. Uh, Texas Southern, obviously, a tough year for Burnett Skeet's uh, ball club in year one of conference. And, of course, you see Valley's record. But FAMU, this is probably desperation time for them. They're at home. We go to them on Monday. So, you know, these, these games are really important. And if you look up, you look at UAPB one game up. Then you look at Southern University six and four. So we got five wins, and you've got Bama State and Southern. So when you look at it, Coach, really a game and a half. Uh, out of fifth place, you have a chance to really move up. And then you got Prairie View coming here, Texas Southern coming here. So you have a chance uh, to make some things happen. But Bill Cookman, we got we go there Saturday. So a lot of moving pieces left. Yeah, and, you know, we in control. We're driving our own car now. We don't, we don't, we're not backseat riders now. We're driving our own car. All we need to do is keep it in the middle of the road. You know, we're, we're stay out the ditches, you know, <laughs> in the middle of the road. Because uh, we're going to face some of those teams that's in front of us. You know, and if we can win those games, then we, we just put ourselves in a great position. Give us a call, 601-877-6595. You can tweet a question, Tallman Radio. You can text a question, 601-301-2611. Um, our friend Kermit has sent a text in. Coach, uh, can you speak on recruiting? Someone was asking me about recruiting the other day in terms of just getting bigger. Um, and I know we've got a lot of guards and mids, but trying to always stay and be bigger. We saw it with UAPB, and uh, we've seen it with other teams. So what's, what's, give us the latest on the recruiting front, where we are right now. Well, you know, we're always out trying to find uh, kids that we feel like can come in. And we are looking at kids with size. We, we feel like that's, a, that's an area we need to get, get better at. Uh, when it comes to post players and stuff. But, you know, uh, this whole group is coming back. We don't have – we really don't have scholarships for, to go out and do what we really need to do because I really feel like we need a, another – we need a good, a bigger post, another post. Uh, and I think, we, I think we need to get taller at the point guard position. You know, I just – those two areas, I feel like we need to get, get taller, at, you know, on the post area and at the point position because our point – our two, two small points are good. Now, don't get me wrong. And – uh but we just, you just never know what a lot of happens. We don't know. Hopefully, won't nobody get on the transfer portal, but we don't know that. You know, we, we're still recruiting our own kids, for one thing, to stay. So you just never know. But uh, we're definitely out. We have, we have two post kids that we're looking at. You know, we hadn't, we hadn't committed to them. They hadn't committed to us, but we're still looking at them. We have a, we have a, a point, a taller point guard that we're looking at, you know. Because we got to keep those options out there just in case somebody don't return, you know, decide to go further their career in something else other than basketball. And we have a lot of kids who are quite capable. Well, speaking of recruiting, we talked last night. Kerrigan Johnson from Mississippi Valley, 19 points. She could shoot the cover off that ball. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was someone, I mean, of course, she's at Valley, but for someone that you were kind of looking at. Absolutely. We had a, we had an opportunity to get her. We, we could have we actually signed her. We just didn't have a scholarship to do it. But that was my first year here. You know, when I, my first year here, they had uh, signed all the people that were going to sign. We didn't have any scholarship available. And, uh, and, but she was handed to us. We just didn't, we didn't have any room to move on it. And, uh, and, you know, you saw what we missed out on. You know, she's just a great athlete. You know, we just couldn't do anything with it at that time. I mean, any the, spot same, on? the same coach that gave me Tiara Henderson, that's, that's where she's from, the same school. So we could have we had her. Anywhere on the floor, I mean, wherever, just, just pick a spot on the floor. And she wasn't afraid to shoot it. <laughs> no, she's not. She's not. She's a great ball player. And she's a point guard. And she's about 5'7", five, 5'8", five, you know. So that's the size we're, we're looking, trying to trying to get to. Since we have two smaller uh, point guards, we're trying to get to that size or, or a little taller. But, uh, just you know, that's just the way it is sometimes. You're not able to get some of the people that you're capable of getting sometimes. You have to move on. Well, Coach, we head to Florida as we look ahead to the upcoming week. Uh, we head to Bethune-Cookman on Saturday. By the way, the tip-off for the game on Saturday is noon Central Time. They play their games earlier, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, noon Central Time. So we'll be on the air at 11.45 in the morning on Saturday as we head to 
They told the coach, I share a story. When we played that, when we played Bethune Cookman in football, and our producer Cedric Tillman, we can attest to this. It was a hurricane down there. <laughs> we went down there in November. It was like 60, 60 mile an hour winds. I mean, I mean, we, we couldn't go anywhere. We went probably two blocks. It took thirty minutes. Wow. It was yeah. It was. I mean, the the waves were crashing against the the, the pier. I mean, it was it was a <laughs> hurricane force winds down there. And I think it was in November. I, I think. Uh, I don't think we're going to expect that. I looked at the forecast the other day. It's going to be 80 degrees, I think, by the time we head out of there Sunday. So bring a couple of pair of shorts, but we need to get a win. So let's look Absolutely. at Bethune Cookman, one of the uh, one of the top scorers in the conference, uh, a player that you have said when she was here that uh, can play at the next level, the WNBA level. And we saw that. We saw how she's not afraid to shoot it, just like Kerrigan Johnson. So what adjustments do we need to make here as we try to get a win in Daytona Saturday? Well, we just need to know where she is at all times on the floor. We can't allow her to get to get going, you know, start – let her get a, a, a wide-open jump. That's how kids get going on you because they, they're so wide open now that they start feeling good about themselves. We want to make sure everything that she does is tough. I mean, when she come off ball screens, we want to make sure that person's stepping up off that ball screen and, and getting the person that's defending her time to recover back to her. And we're going to try for some time. We just we want to make somebody else uh, uh, start off scoring against us and, and make sure it's not her because she can get on a roll and, and be hard to defend. And that's what you don't want good scores to do, to get on those rolls. Other than her, what's the big concern with Bethune Cookman? What we saw, what's the biggest lesson learned coming out of that game here, the first go-round? Well, I, I say this about Bethune. They are, they are similar to us. Because they 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 play four guards and they play one good post, you know. I think what we have on them is real. I feel like I feel like we're a little deeper than they are when it comes to personnel. But their first their first six to seven kids are, are real good basketball players, you know. But after that, you know, they kind of struggle a little bit for a post player. And I think that's the biggest issue for them. They don't really have but one good post, you know. But uh, their guards are extremely good, and they got other guards on that team that can can have big nights on you. But you better be careful how you play them too. But at the same time, we defend so well at our guard position. We can kind of we can kind of deal with people who have good guard play because our guards are good defenders. You know, when people start having big sticks, are real good in a lot of them. And when we get destiny, get in foul trouble, that's when we start to have problems. You know, but we match up well with don't match up well with us. So it should be a good basketball game. Then you got a desperate FAMU team that's on the outside of the uh, top eight probably their last gasp at home. Uh, so you're going to get a, a team in there. Um, obviously, they play uh, Jackson on Saturday, and, and we come in there on Monday. Uh, so what do you expect from the Lady Rattlers, what we had here, and what do you expect? And you, you told me that you expected the Thune and FAMU to play better at home, and they did. When they when they went home, they, they beat the Bama teams after they played us. They, you expected them to play better at home, and they did. So we have to be ready to play. What do you expect from the Rattlers on Monday? Well, I expect for them to play with a lot more uh, energy. I expect for them to play with a lot more confidence, you know, because they're at home. And it's a, like you said, it's a desperate situation for them. They know they need to win those two, these, these two games. Uh, both teams, they know they need to win these two games against us in Jackson because they're going to go on the road. They're going to Alabama and A&M. Uh, uh, their next two games, so it's a big, it's a big home stand for them, you know. And we're hoping that that works against them too, because a lot of times you start pressing, and you start feeling that, feeling that, you start feeling the the pressure coming towards you now, making the tournament or not making the tournament, you know. And a lot of times it, it hurts you. Well, last year we didn't make the trip to Florida. Somebody caught COVID. I caught COVID. Uh, I, I caught COVID. I, I may have given it. To, may have given it to, to, to the team, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, the day before, I was supposed to leave. Uh, I, I got tested, and boom, it was all over. I was looking forward to it. But so this will be our first opportunity to do this Florida swing. Um, if you can get a split, come home, handle business. Uh, you have a chance to really move up. Yeah, we, we really do, Charles. And I think that's very important. You know, we can get two. It'd be great. You know, it'd be great if we could get two. But and we could get a split in it, that'll, that'll, be, that'll be super, too. But I just don't feel like we can go in there and lose, too. That, that'll really hurt us, and that'll really put our backs against the wall. You know, I, but our mindset is we feel like we can win both of them. We really do. We feel like we match up well with both of those teams. And, but we know we're going to have to play. They're going to be totally different from the way they were here. 
And I think they're going to play with a lot more confidence. And, you know, Bethune is a small arena anyways, and they say the fans are already right behind you, writing up plays for you and stuff. So we know it's going to be a tough game right there. Uh, FAMU's setting uh, arenas a little bigger, you know, and so the fan is not the fan effect is not going to be as, as tough as, as, it, as it would be at, at Bethune. But, but it's going to be two tough games. I know that. And it's going to be an early game. It's going to be a 1 o'clock Eastern time, noon Central time tip. Lady Braves try to get one, maybe two, and really help their position to make the top eight. Coach, we appreciate it. And, uh, by the way, the Nate Kilbert Show will be on a different day next week as they'll be coming back from Florida. So will I. So we'll be with you next Wednesday at 5.30 for the Landon Bussey and Nate Kilbert programs next Wednesday. Coach Kilbert, 5.30 to 6.30, and Landon Bussey, 6.30 to 7.30 next Wednesday as we return from Florida next Tuesday. Coach, we'll talk to you down in Florida. All right, Charles, appreciate you, brother. We'll take a time out here, a two-minute break. When we come back, head coach Landon Bussey is on the way as the Braves are in first place in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. How did they do it? How do we do it? We'll find out. After this two-minute break, the Landon Bussey program coming up. This is Braves Basketball. My son Aiden has asthma. Secondhand 